point start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I am Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And uh, Father, we're, we're moving towards the end of fall here. You're well into your uh, fall semester, yeah? Oh, yeah. And la- Oh, yeah, you betcha. Uh, so, hey, they're talking like my, my hometown in Minnesota now. No, I won't do that anymore. I'm sorry. Sorry, everybody. Uh, <laughs> Father, you. Father, you were we were we were off last week. You were at clergy days. I was there one day. Uh, a good a good week getting together with your brother priests and and uh, the deacons of the diocese. It was very excellent. Uh, great to hear Bishop Swain uh, save his, or uh, share his vision of uh, the church and the diocese, especially the emphasis on uh, building up the church in order to be able to better reach out to our peers. Amen. Um, so the new evangelization, again, the year of faith, all this new evangelization stuff does not end with the year of faith. Father and I have talked about that a lot before, though. So so what we want to do today, though, is talk about um, Father's favorite subject and my least favorite subject, the Bible. Yay! <laughs> Wait, I'm kidding. I'm, well, I'm kidding about the me part. Are you um, melting? Uh, I'm melting. Um no, scripture as as Father loves to talk about, he loves the Bible, and and I do too, and and, and what is never mind, uh, I'm gonna get too far afield there. So, Father, you and I we talked uh, earlier this year, um, a few months ago, I think, about the importance of both praying and studying the Bible, but I, th- I think it might be helpful for people if we talked a little bit about, okay, so with the, the praying part we talked about, but a little bit, unpacking a little bit more the how-to, okay, so I, I want to study the Bible. I under, I recognize the fact that the church exhorts and encourages us, all of us, ordained, religious, and lay, to read, study, pray, and study sacred scripture. So how do we do that? So, um just maybe talking uh, to to begin with, uh, and we can get into some of the details as we go. But but if somebody wants to pick up the Bible, I always recommend just start at the beginning and go th- from page one to page the last page. Right? A lot of people want to do that. Uh, oh, you you hesitate though. I do. Why? Well, because quite often I hear people that say, "Yes, I'm going to do that," and they come and say, "You know, I tried that." And uh, I ended up, uh, Genesis is okay, Exodus is good, but I got bogged down in Leviticus. Leviticus. What is this book? The Leviticus. Yeah. We're going to talk, we'll give an example, uh, some resources later, but uh, there's a a Catholic who has uh, done a great job of helping his fellow Catholics study the Bible better, Jeff Cavins. And, and he got this idea. This idea has been around for a while, but reading the Bible in a sense more selectively that, that Father's going to unpack here. But Jeff, Father, I, I, I've, I've heard Jeff talk many times about how people have this idea. Okay, New Year's resolution. We're going to read the Bible right straight through. And as you say, Leviticus, really, okay, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. I mean, that's a triple whammy, Father. Oh, that is. So, so, okay, so instead of trying to straight through, what else can we do? Well, we, we need to learn a little more about the book, right? So just like any sort of resolution decision, if you want to jump into that, you got to learn about what you're jumping into. And so if we can learn a little bit more about the Bible, about it's, what it's made of, we'll know, better know how to use it, right? Right, absolutely. 
suppose you could think of this as life hacks for the Bible. Life hacks for the Bible. Bible hacks? Absolutely. Hack. I'm certainly a hack. Hack the Bible. <laughs> well played. Yeah, well played. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, this might be a good way to think about it. Uh, podcast title. Um, yeah, about uh, Bible hacks and life hacks. Of, uh, now, for those of you that are uh, maybe not in the young information age generation, uh, a life hack is just it's, it's a reference to computer terminology about uh, how people would hack a computer, create shortcuts, make their computer work more efficiently or their program work more efficiently or more the way they want it to. And so when you just pick up the Bible, if we go into a blind, it may not work out the way we imagine or hope it would. Right. But if we uh, study the Bible in the sense of uh, not just the words on the page, but how it's even composed and put together, that'll help us to be able to get more from the words on the page Absolutely. and not be intimidated by it. Absolutely. Okay. So how do we, so how do we, if we're not going to read it straight through, if we want to look at the book as a, as a whole, a book, and we'll talk more about it's also it's a book composed of many books. But if we want to look at the unity of of scripture, um, how can we then more effectively read through it? Well, there's a couple of tools, and that that'll really kind of be at the uh, at the hot at the heart of this uh, of this broadcast today. Um, is those tools, and then there's some good tools from the church. The church isn't silent on this matter, is she? Absolutely. Uh, and so uh, we're going to talk a bit uh, for the rest of this podcast about uh, about the scripture in this way. We'll be drawing from uh, D.A. Verboom, which is a uh, document from the Second Vatican Council that talks about Revelation. And then we'll also talk a bit uh, from the Catechism as well. Uh, do you want to head off first? Sure. Yeah, uh, that'd be great. So now we're, we're back in you know familiar territory. For me. Is that whole Bible stuff? I can talk about the Bible, but the Bible itself just scares me, Father. Yeah, and these sort of uh, um, uh, church documents that get a little, get a little twitchy on these. <laughs> Just to be clear here for any first-time listeners, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. About, this is uh, long-time listeners will know this is just a uh, a fun, a recurring theme between Father and I. His love for Scripture and my alleged not love of Scripture. In any case, I though, love everything the church writes. <laughs> Actually, I mean, the church wrote Scripture too. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a church document. It is a church document. So, if Father mentioned uh, one of the documents from Vatican II, De Verbum, the, which means it's Latin for the Word of God. So, so this is one of the four main documents of the Council, um, talking about divine revelation, how God has revealed Himself to us, and certainly amongst the most important ways, well, probably if if not the most important way that God reveals Himself to us, um, we 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 look to the Bible to to the sacred scriptures uh, found within the one book of the Bible. And, and Dei Verbum, this document, uh, you can find online. The, the, the other title that you often hear it under is The Dogmatic Constitution on Divine Revelation. So if, if we look at Dei Verbum, uh, it's a relatively short document. The third chapter, though, focuses in, it talks about scripture throughout, but the, the ch- third chapter focuses on the inspiration and interpretation of sacred scripture. And that's, Father, that's what I, I really think this is a, a, a good chapter to focus on in terms of some, some principles, a, a Catholic approach to, to studying Scripture, which in many ways is going to be similar to, to the approaches that other Christians take, but this is, this is the, the definitive you know, Catholic how-to, so to speak. Does that make sense? It does, and, and there are going to be some small, uh, small but important differences 
Uh, just last night, I was talking with, uh, I got invited to one of our students leads the Bible study with her sorority sisters. Okay. So I was invited there to speak a uh, bit with some Catholics and some non-Catholics. And this is one of the most important questions to them is, you know, how to read the Bible. Exactly. Um, for the reasons that we said at the outset and that we've said before, um, this is this is the Word of God, but how do we approach it? Do we approach it the same way we approach other books? Do we approach, approach it differently? A combination, same and different? Hopefully that's what we'll unpack a little bit here. So the, the first thing um, that I want to point out, and I'm not going to read, I, I might highlight some excerpts from Dave Verum, but um, this is Articles 11, 12, and 13, our, our Compromise Chapter 3 of the document. Uh, and and, and the, the first point that it makes, that, that the, the, the church makes in this document, is that, that God inspired these these texts uh we'll talk about the human authors in a bit but but dave verbum starts by emphasizing the fact that these are truly divinely inspired texts this is this is one sentence from article 11 in composing the sacred books god chose men and while and while employed by him they made use of their powers and abilities so that with him acting in them and through them, they as true authors consigned to writing everything and only those things which he wanted. And that's that last, that last part that I want to highlight. Um, they, they wrote every, let's see, they consigned to writing everything and only those things which he wanted. So what we find in the Bible is this, this the, the, in the act of inspiration, God used these men in their freedom to write certain things down, to write these words down. But what they wrote was everything and only what God wanted written. Uh, and the church has all sorts of theories about how, inspira- how inspiration happens, but none of them, well, I should say theologians have all sorts of theories about inspiration. Um, the Catholic church doesn't, hasn't come down and said definitively which one it sides with, but it certainly, as, as this makes clear, it does believe that these men wrote freely and yet the mystery, the mystery of the interaction between human and divine will, they only wrote down what God, God wanted them to write. We don't know exactly how this works, um, but, but we know that that's how the Bible came to be written. So the fundamental point here is that the Bible is um, inspired by God. God breathed is the, the, the meaning of a Greek term used within the Bible itself. So the Bible is inspired by God. It really truly is a book written by him as, as an author. He is the primary author. And then the, 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 the men who wrote, who actually wrote are the secondary authors. But Father, I think the, emphasizing the fact that that God is because we can kind of when we get down in the weeds so to speak trying as as we will in a minute uh, tr- talking about how we impact these as as historical texts and the literary genres and so on we can sort of sometimes we can lose sight of the fact that this remains um, one text inspired by God does that make sense yes anything you want to comment on uh, there um. No, I, I don't think so. Although I think in some ways this could be um, uh, a little odd for us for our modern ears, and especially, um, you know, we, we distrust things like, we, trust claim, we distrust claims of inspiration, we distrust uh, claims of contact with God, uh, and so I think there's a certain uncertainty in that regard. Right. 
yeah. So, so, I, and the question of how we know, I wouldn't, I don't know if we're going to get time to, you know, we as, as Catholics don't say that, well, we know the Bible is inspired because it says it's inspired. That, that argument doesn't work. Some people try to make the argument, but that doesn't hold water. I could write, no. I could write a book. I have written a book and I could have said, this is inspired. Well, that doesn't make it so. Um, you can't detect inspiration by your senses. Exactly. Um, ultimately this comes back and, and again if we have time to talk about this we will but otherwise maybe another time this comes back to the authority of the church um, guided the by God the church document exactly so, so the um, other sorry please well I think uh, another thing with that would weigh too is uh, we're such critics these days you know we're a critic of everything and I think about like kind of the reality television culture mm. Right, where we're always critiquing things and saying what's wrong with these people and things like that. And so when we read Scripture, I think we always have this little editor right now in this day and age. He's always kind of going on saying, well, yeah, it says this, but I don't know if I really believe that, or I don't know if I really trust that, or I don't know if that's... There's got to be some other explanation for that. Um, and so back to that phrase of, they, as true authors, were consigned to writing everything and only those things which he wanted. Right. And then to me, the thing that flows from that, and it talks about the next paragraph, and this goes along also with the point of our trusting it, that that means that these documents, the Bible as a whole, is without error. It's inerrant is the the technical term. It's without error. And a lot of people get caught up on that for reasons that that we'll address here in a moment, because they they misunderstand what the church teaches. Here's what Dave Verbum says. The books of scripture must be acknowledged as teaching solidly, faithfully, and without error that truth which God wanted put into sacred writings for the sake of salvation. So the way, well, this is going to lead us into the, the, the whole, the side of human authorship. The, when, when we look at scripture and its inerrancy, the fact that it's without error, the, the, the point is that it's what the author, God, and the human author, the authors, what did they intend to say? That is what's without error. Uh, you, you know, so, so there are examples in the Bible of, um, oh, well, well, we'll get into that with Genesis in particular, the, the creation accounts. We have to look at what were they trying to say, we, and we can't take it too literalistically. So, Father, let's get into that. The, the, the next section in Dave Verbum talks about um, interpreting these documents as truly um, human documents. Uh, God is the primary author, but there is the secondary author as well. And so we have to un- understand what they mean and, and investigate them in that sense as, as legitimately human writers. And, and you sort of, when we were talking about this topic, uh, one of your summaries for points to discuss was literary versus literal. Can you can you explain what you meant there? I think that fits in this context. Yeah, I think it does. And so, uh, so how the authors uh, and how God is choosing to inspire the authors is uh, it kind of varies in in, in book to book. Um, and so. Uh, Another way to think about this introduces that the Bible isn't one book itself. The Bible is a collection of books. Right. Uh, the Bible is a library, if you will. And so, uh, therefore, it's a collection of different books written in different styles, different voices, uh, all to, co- uh, to communicate that same um, uh, solid, faithful, inerrant truth necessary for salvation. But in these different genres. Okay. So what? What's so it? What? We, 
No, please go ahead. I interrupted. So when we read it, we want to be attentive to that. And if we're not, if we're not aware of that, if we're not attentive to this, then um, we uh, we we don't want to. Uh, um, we neglect it to our own peril if we want to read scriptures. You know, if we if we read um, the Book of Psalms and we neglect the fact that it's uh, it's it's a book of songs, uh, poetic psalms, songs, then we're we're missing part of the message. So, so the, Dave Verman talks about being attentive to literary forms, a genre. What are some other? What 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 is just to explain or unpack the idea of genre? Do you do you have a I don't have one, maybe you, so you needn't either, uh, a handy definition of genre or maybe easier yet, uh, some, some examples. Genre, um, you know, let's maybe use analogy in movies, right? So movies, we have things like biopics, right? Which is a kind of a quasi-historical, you know, like a, a movie that kind of tries to cover something in history, like... Uh, uh, 42, which came out about the life of Jackie Robinson, right? Right. Or we have things that are romantic comedies, right? Okay. Or we have action adventure, and so that'd be kind of a genre. Now, the specific genre, there's not. Uh, well, there's a romantic comedy in. Uh, it's called the Book of Tobit in the Old Testament. That's <laughs> true. Um, and there's an action adventure book. I'd call that uh, First and Second Maccabees. Yes. Um, uh, and also the Gospel of Mark, but. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the the idea of genre or literary forms. Is that? Yeah, it does. So, so some of the some of the other examples. So there there are um, narrative historical narratives. There are history books within uh, the Bible, books that that intend to narrate actual events in history. Not all of history, obviously, focusing on on certain events with regard to the people of God, um, the Israelites, generally speaking. Uh, but that that's just one of many genres. So you gave the example of Psalms. Um, there are all sorts of other poetic writings in addition to this, the book of Psalms. Um, there are prophetic writings. So there are these different styles. You know, if, if we get another example, I think people are familiar with, if we look um, in the Gospels in particular, the Gospels are historical books, historical narratives. Within them, though, Jesus used uh, parables. Parables are an example of a, a, a genre. They're a, a, a storytelling device, or, or they... Jesus uses parables, these these fictional stories, to teach a larger point. So a parable is an example of a kind of genre. Um, in that case, within a historical book that that is that is conveying actual historical truths, Jesus really. So so for example, the prodigal son did not really exist. But Jesus did really exist. Uh, and the, the other examples, I think, Father, uh, again, I, I mentioned this earlier, the book of Genesis, particularly the first um, 11 chapters, sort of the prehistory, and then we get into Abraham and and on from there. But but those first chapters, especially the first three chapters, the, the creation accounts and then the account of the fall, um, original sin with Adam and Eve, those t- seem to give people the most trouble when it comes to grappling with this idea of inerrancy uh, and failing to recognize the importance of genre. What do you think about that? Oh, without a doubt. Uh, Without a doubt, especially with the college students, that's probably the question I get most often about that. And that's where the the Church is teaching the Church's wisdom in this regard about knowing the forms, knowing the genre, um, uh, really uh, really is helpful and, and bears good fruit. 
So, so having we, to, we have to reckon again, yes, the Bible is inspired by God, but he used men to write it. And so they wrote in their own day and age, according to the customs of their time. So uh, we, we shouldn't pick up, this is what I tell people this all the time. We shouldn't pick up the Bible and naturally expect to read all or any of it really as if um, it were yesterday's copy of USA Today or the history textbook that I read in high school or college. It was written over the course of well, over a thousand, thousand, well, hundreds of years, over a thousand years from first book to last, um, uh, on the other side of the world, virtually. So we have to expect that the way that people, the idioms they used, again, the the genres they employed, it might take us um, some study to get a sense of 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 the the turns of phrase, etc. So we properly understand what they were trying, what they were intending to convey. Does that make sense? Very much so. So, um, anything else with this whole idea of the of taking into, into account the fact that there's a human author that you think we we should mention? Not off the top of my head. I think, uh, <coughs> although off the bottom of my head, yes, I think I would say um, the whole idea that God always seems to take messy solutions. Yeah, you know. Um, you think about the composition of the church, the church being a hospital of sinners, not a uh, museum of saints. You think about other things. So it's not surprising this question of inerrancy and this question of inspiration in Scripture should be somewhat messy. We shouldn't be afraid of that messiness. Uh, and I think it's maybe more a sign of our uh, modern age and our digital age to want everything neat and tidy and tied off and clean. Yep. Uh, instead of just, you know, yeah, well, it's, in, it's, it's inerrant, it's messy. You know, it doesn't contradict, um, you know, truth doesn't contradict truth. So, you know, and the, and the church is careful in how she defines things in Scripture, like in regard to uh, to Genesis and things of that sort. But uh, uh, it's messy, but just be okay with the, with the messiness and focus in on uh, the one who offers relationship to you through it. Absolutely. So I think just a couple other points from Dave Erbum, um, and then we can move on um, as as we about five minutes left in this episode. Um, the 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 document also talks about recognize when we're when we're studying scripture, um, being attentive both of the to the fact that okay this is as you mentioned this is a library a collection of books so when we're studying a passage, studying that passage in its proper context within that one book. So if we're studying First um, Samuel, uh, and we should be attentive to not just that 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 particular passage or section that we're studying, but attentive to the entire book as a whole, but be. Beyond that, because the Bible still has that primary author, which is God, that single author, which is God, we can use the rest of the Bible to help us understand the passage in 1 Samuel, potentially. So there's all sorts of ways where, so the content and unity of the entire Bible is is the principle here of, of... if we want to understand um, um, one particular part, we, we sometimes um, can, can grow in our understanding, deepen our understanding by standing back and looking at the whole, looking at other parts of the Bible as well to inform, to enhance our understanding of this particular section that we're looking at. Um, 
the, the David also talks about the living tradition. So the church, as you said, the church really is the author of scripture. Uh, and, and so the, the church has been praying and studying the Bible since it wrote the Bible. And so looking to the tradition of the church as well, the, the authoritative teaching tradition of the church to help us understand um, the passages, particular passages that we're studying can also be helpful. And then finally, um, what Dave Irvin talks about, the, the analogy of faith, recognizing that there's a harm Harmony uh, within the various teachings of our faith, of our Catholic Christian faith, and and using that analogy, using the larger the, the the teachings of the church to better understand some particular passages. So those are those are a, a few of the principles that Dave Verbum um, points us to if we want to approach and study Scripture from um, a, a a deeply Catholic approach. Father, just a few minutes left. We want to talk now. We we could look. There's sections in the Catechism we look at. We could also look at just some more pragmatic, practical advice, some ways if we want to do this, actually, where do we start? Which way do you want to go? Uh, I think maybe some, some guides or some opportunities to help you get through. Okay. Um, and, and things of that sort. Okay. Anything come to mind that you really like to highlight? When, okay, so what do I do, Father? How do I go? If I don't read straight through, how do I do this best? Well, uh, one of the best ways in that that's author's suggestion that I've enjoyed is to find a guide that will take you through the uh, narrative structure of the Bible. And so uh, the Bible is a story. It is, there is story involved, but um, all those books aren't right next to each other that, that, that tell that story. Right. Uh, and so to find that whole story, uh, it's a great place to start. Because then that'll help you then dive into other books and say, oh, well, that's what Leviticus is all about. And so I could actually read some stuff in there and actually find some things in there. Um, and so I think that might be a good uh, good way to start. And uh, this isn't an official ecclesial recommendation by the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Uh, but, you know, there are some resources out there that we can mention, right? Absolutely. So I, I, earlier I mentioned uh, Jeff Cavins and his Great Adventure Bible Timeline series is a great one, isn't it? Right. Uh, and then there's also uh, some books. I'm a big fan of books. Uh, I've seen your office, Dr. Bergwald, and yes. as well. Yes. Um, there's, there's a book version of that by Jeff Cavins and Tim Gray. Uh, there's a book uh, uh, telling of it or guide of it by Dr. Scott Hahn yep. uh, called A Father Who Keeps His Promises. For those who maybe on something a little more intellectually meaty, those are both pretty accessible, pretty popular, uh, popularly written. You don't have to have much specialty to read them. Uh, one that I really enjoy but might get a little more specialized was called Holy People, Holy Land mm-hmm. uh, by uh, Matthew Levering and uh, Michael Dauphiné. Uh, there's a lot more vowels in his last name than you'd think. Yes, there are. But uh, I think those are some good ones that just kind of frame that larger story and allow, allow you to kind of wrap your brain around it. Yeah, and you, in the end, it's, it's really possible, I think, 13 books, isn't it, Father, that, that it boils down to 11 from the Old and 2 from the New Testament. Yeah. Right, that you could do. And, and that's something you could do in just a, a short couple months' time. And that, as Father said, that gives you the big picture, and then you can then you can once you get the big picture, you can zoom in and see okay, how do the rest of these books and letters fit into the whole? Right. Um, so whatever, and there are other, you know, you could maybe some people would just want to jump in with the Gospels, um, but whatever. Uh, uh, I, 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 well, I, I shouldn't say that. Whatever approach, I, I would highly uh, endorse what Father said. Recognizing the big picture first, starting with these thirteen books, using one of these guides that Father mentioned, um, and using them to get into 
uh, the rest of the Bible as a whole. Uh, and with that, we are out of time. Uh, that wraps up this episode of Ignition. Uh, didn't mention it at the beginning, but we always listen, uh, welcome listener feedback. So feel free to email me with any ideas for future episodes, questions you have about this episode. The email address is cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. Until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.